Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam. I went to see my doctor today. And my friends, I think anyone who is able to access high-quality care should, should be very thankful. There are many Americans who are not able to access high-quality care, or perhaps they can access high-quality care, but the cost is not something that they can afford. So cost, access, and quality are three important things that we have to keep in mind whenever we talk about healthcare. The ideal situation is when somebody is able to access high-quality care at a cost that they can afford. So access, cost, and quality. My friends, as I went to see my doctor today, and as I came out of the clinic, I, um, I was waiting for some test results. I had to get some lab tests done, and so I was waiting for the results, and I started to think about I started to think about the time when I first came to the United States as an immigrant, when I was new in this country as an immigrant. One of the greatest challenges that I faced was to understand the American healthcare system. How does the U.S. healthcare system work? That was the question that I asked myself. And, and, and now that I think about it, I can understand that there are many immigrants who probably ask the same question after they come to the U.S. How does the U.S. healthcare system wor work? Immigrants come to, the, come to the United States from all over the world. And there are some countries that have nationalized healthcare, and there are some countries where people pay for healthcare services out of pocket, and then there are other countries that probably uh, that, you know, that perhaps have a mixture of some public insurance and private insurance market. So when, when people come to America and they, they want to access American healthcare system, it's important to understand how the system works. Now, how many people understand it very well? I don't know, but I do know that healthcare literacy is, is a huge issue. Understanding the American healthcare system, it's, uh, uh, there are many educated people, people who are experts in whatever professional field that they are in. But when it comes to understanding the American healthcare system, they struggle because it requires a different kind of education. You can be very educated. You can have advanced degrees in all different kinds of fields and still struggle to figure out U.S. healthcare system because this system is always evolving. There are incremental changes happening that, that many people may find difficult to keep up with. The American healthcare system, when you look at it, there are many different parts. You've got the facilities, clinics and hospitals. You've got the providers, um, you know, doctors and nurses. And then you have um, uh, the insurance sector. Then you have 
the pharmaceutical sector, not only um, drug manufacturers, but also pharmacies. And then you also have uh, durable medical equipment manufacturers and suppliers. Technology companies are also very much involved in the healthcare system because there's always new software. There are um, there's new technology, especially when you look at telemedicine. And so there are many different actors who are involved in the U.S. healthcare system. So as a consumer, it may be very difficult to figure out how this whole system works, how the different actors interact with each other. And obviously, one important part that I forgot to mention is healthcare law. Healthcare law is massive, okay? Doctors have to buy malpractice insurance, and there are lots of different, um, you know, legal compliance uh, rules and, you know, there are different rules and regulations that uh, different actors involved in the field, field of healthcare, they have to comply with. And these laws and rules are changing, the policies are changing. And, and so it requires a person, if you want to be knowledgeable about the American healthcare system, you have to continue to study it all the time because there are so many things that are changing. And so you have to keep up with the changes. My friend, as I mentioned, one of my greatest challenges was to understand the U.S. healthcare system as an immigrant, but I started taking courses at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And anyone who knows me would know that I'm a healthcare policy analyst by training. That's what I studied. I took healthcare policy courses in graduate school. And actually, I started in the undergrad. That was my first healthcare policy class that I took when I was an undergraduate student. Um, and then in, in graduate school, when I studied public policy, I emphasized on healthcare policy. And that was my area of interest. And even today, I, I mean, I've graduated. I, I got my master's 10 years ago, master's degree. And even today, I continue to study the American healthcare system. Because if you want to be knowledgeable about how healthcare in our country works, you have to continue to study it. But not everyone does that, right? Um, not everyone would have an interest in studying it. Not everyone would have the need to study it. But let me tell you something that is true for everyone. We all need healthcare. Even if somebody is perfectly healthy, that person would still need to access the U.S. healthcare system at some point in their life. And so it's always nice to be able to know how the system works. And, um, you know, there are many surprises. There are many surprises that people run into. And as I said, access, cost, and quality. If you, if you have health insurance, if you have a primary care doctor, then you're able to access services when you need to. And uh, hopefully high quality service. Quality is something that's very important. Simply going to a doctor, simply visiting a clinic or going to a hospital for some care, that's not enough. You have to know 
the reputation of that provider. You have to know the reputation of that hospital. And there are different quality metrics uh, that you can look at to see if a hospital that you're going to, if a facility that you're going to, if a provider that you're going to, uh, what is the history? Is that provider, is that hospital known for providing excellent, high-quality care or not? So there are different health quality metrics that you can look at. But the other important factor, the most important factor perhaps for a lot of people is the cost. Simply accessing high-quality care is not enough. If you end up getting a huge bill that you're not able to pay, then that is a huge problem. And we hear about bankruptcies. There are many people who go bankrupt because they have had had a hospitalization or they had some kind of a big surgery or some accident that required extensive medical care. And then they got a huge bill that they are not able to pay. And sadly, many Americans go bankrupt because they ended up getting a huge medical bill. So that is extremely sad. And that's why I think... um, when we talk about healthcare, it's not just about cost. It's it's not just about access and quality, but the cost also matters a great deal. So why am I talking to you about this today? Well, I I went to see my doctor, and you know I'm I'm very happy with the services that I get from uh, my medical providers, and um, I was I was waiting for some test results, which I have now received. And um, that's why uh, this afternoon, as I was waiting for my test results, I, I kept thinking about, you know, my my younger days when I was a new immigrant in the United States, struggling to understand how American healthcare system works. And now I think I consider myself fortunate because I... I have the willingness and the ability to learn about American healthcare. I put in a lot of effort to know what's going on in the world of healthcare. And um, I, I consider myself, you know, um, somewhat knowledgeable. I think I'm knowledgeable. But having said that, no single person can know everything about American healthcare. It's just a massive system. It is a massive system. We have the private market, and then we have the government programs like Medicare and Medicaid. And um, so, you know, you always have to continue to learn to keep track of what's going on. So you can't be um, you can't be fully knowledgeable at any given point in time. But what's important is. As long as you know where to look for the answers. And that is something many people struggle with. If you have a question about healthcare, you may not know who to ask. If you don't know the answer, try to figure out the resources that are out there that can help you find an answer. Who should you go to to try to get the answer to your question. And a lot of people get stuck in that situation. They have a question, they don't know the answer, and they don't know where to look for the answer. So it's important to know what resources are out there. Where can you go to look for the answer to your question? Uh, My friends, 
I think I've talked quite a bit about U.S. healthcare for today. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think about immigrants who are coming to the United States, and I'm pretty sure many of them face a lot of challenges um, when they are trying to access care, access high-quality care at a cost that they can afford. And so I think one of the top priorities of our country should be healthcare literacy, to try to ensure high levels of healthcare literacy, uh, which, which basically means we should try to educate people so that they know uh, the basics of U.S. healthcare, where to, how to access quality care at a cost that they can afford, and if they have questions that don't that they don't know the answers to, who to go to, what are the resources that are out there that they can uh, that they can uh, that that can help them that can help uh, patients and consumers find the answers that they are looking for. So having said that, um, I think that's that's all I have to talk about healthcare for today. Uh, I really want to briefly touch on the, uh, the the things that are happening in Washington. And I mean the U.S. House of Representatives. Okay, my friends, I've talked about it before. What's going on in the House? We don't have an elected Speaker of the House yet. Kevin McCarthy is now the former Speaker. And after Kevin McCarthy's departure from the office of the Speaker, uh, it seemed that it seemed for a little while that maybe it's going to be Steve Scalise. A lot of people were supporting Steve Scalise to be the next Speaker. Obviously, we know that he withdrew his name. And then it seemed that Jim Jordan might be the next speaker, but then um, he also is no longer the nominee. And then people were asking, like, who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? And then uh, a few member of Congress, a few members of Congress, announced that they are running. And out of the people who uh, decided to jump into the race for the office of the Speaker of the House, there was a vote and uh, not a vote on the entire House floor, but a, a vote among Republicans to choose a nominee. And Congressman Tom Emmer of Minnesota, he got the highest number of votes, so he became the Republican nominee for the Speaker of the House. But within hours, he decided to withdraw his name. And now... We have a big question, who is going to be the Speaker of the House? We still don't know the answer. Now, my friends, I will tell you, I have a favorite. I have somebody who I think is my favorite person for the position of the Speaker of the House. Byron Donalds, Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. My friends, I woke up this morning and I checked um, the internet and I saw that New York Daily News published a letter to the editor that I wrote. So a letter to the editor that I wrote was published in New York Daily News. The title is Diversity Opportunity. And in that letter, I wrote that I am supporting Byron Donalds, Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, 
for the position of the House Speaker. And I think we have a wonderful opportunity here to elect the first African-American Speaker of the House. And obviously, um, by elect, it's, it's not... Um, th- this election is going to take place on the House floor. It's not that people have it's it's not that people have an opportunity to vote so that general public doesn't get to vote, but obviously they can call their House members and ask them to vote for uh, whichever candidate they prefer. And I know members of Congress um, are, you know, on the House side, they are getting lots of phone calls. Obviously, their constituents are calling them and saying they should vote for this person or that person for the position of the House Speaker. I think that Byron Donalds is the right person for the job. He is a wonderful elected member serving in the House from Florida. And, um, you know, I, I think he's the right person for the job. And he will be great in that position. And I would definitely love to see Byron Donalds as the first African-American Speaker of the House. Now, what's going to happen going forward? I don't know. Is he going to get the support that he needs from uh, the House Republicans to be elected Speaker of the House? I don't know. But obviously, as an American, I have every right to express who I think should be the Speaker of the House. And that's why... I wrote the letter to the editor, which was published by New York Daily News. So if you want to read it, please go ahead. You can search on the internet. You can Google my name. And the title of the letter is Diversity Opportunity, which I wrote in support of Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House. My friends, as I learn more updates, I will be sharing uh, my comments with you. Obviously, my podcast is about social and political issues, both domestic and international. So thank you for staying connected with me. And I hope to be back again soon with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam.